0: I know what many of you are thinking you're saying Pastor Chris we don't want to hear a sermon we want to know what happened in marriage counseling with you and Joanne this past week right that's what you want to know about now for those of you who are like okay I wasn't here last week what happened Uh, we talked about how we need to keep things simple and we need to keep our marriages simple that's one of the things we could do and by keeping it simple it means to keep it healthy So then our next steps were, what's one thing you can do this week to keep your life simple? And mine was, well, my wife and I are getting marriage counseling. We're not getting a divorce. We're not having a huge fight. We just want our marriage to be stronger. So we went to counseling uh, this past week. And I actually have some video from it I'm going to show you. Um, It is pretty graphic, so I took it and changed it into a cartoon to kind of make it easier for you guys uh, to digest. So let's kill the lights. Kill the lights here, and uh, this is the best screen to watch. And make sure the volume's up. So here's what basically happened at marriage counseling this past week. Lipstick taser. Yeah, keep showing it. Yeah. Lipstick taser. One more time. One more time. (laughs) Lipstick taser! Yeah, it it was the weirdest thing. The counselor handed my wife a taser, and uh, she tased me about 12, 13, I think maybe 14 times. And at the 14th time, our marriage was fixed. Right, pumpkin? Sweetie pie? Honey? I was a little sore, but, you know, our problems were over. Um, Now, that's not what happened. Uh, it, it did go very well, but isn't it kind of interesting? Wouldn't it be great if you could fix the marriage with a taser, right? I think some of you women are thinking, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Where could I get one of those, those lipstick tasers? Wouldn't it be great if you could just fix people by tasing them? Wouldn't it be great if you could fix our valley by tasing people? Wouldn't it be great if you could fix our country by tasing the people you felt needed to be tased? My guess is we don't have enough tasers to tase all the people we think need to be tased. But of course, tasing people doesn't fix anything. But I bring this up because this is it. This is the big summer of still finish. This is the grand finale. We started with sunglasses. You've had the porch. We've been talking about being still in God's presence. We've talked about spending more quality time with God, being in the word, praying more. And hopefully you've been doing all of that. And as you've been doing that, though, hopefully God has made you more aware of places in your life where you need spiritual renewal, that a taser won't fix, but God can. And maybe even as you kind of quieted your life down and you've been able to focus on the people around you, you've noticed that, Our valley is in need of spiritual renewal. And maybe even, as you've slowed down, you've become well aware that the United States of America is in desperate need of spiritual renewal. So how do we bring this about? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. In your bulletin, there are notes if you'd like to fill in the blanks. But we're going to be looking... ...into Second Chronicles today. So if you have your Bibles with you... ...you're going to want to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 30. We're going to be hanging out in chapter 30 and 31 for most of this morning. And we're going to be reading about a king named Hezekiah. Now, I'm going to give you a little background on Hezekiah. This is actually from my Bible... It says that Hezekiah's own father had closed the temple in Jerusalem, had imported a pagan altar from Damascus and erected shrines to other gods on every street corner. Now, inheriting the throne as a young man, Hezekiah was only 25 when he became king. Hezekiah saw that his nation was hurtling toward disaster. Do you know anybody whose life is hurtling towards disaster? Do you sometimes feel like this country is hurtling towards disaster? It says, Hezekiah watched as the great power of Assyria invaded his sister nation Israel, demolishing its cities and sending its citizens into exile. But unlike other kings... Hezekiah did not scurry around seeking political alliances to bolster his strength. He listened carefully to the prophet Isaiah and he looked instead for God's protection. And then we turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and in verse 20, this is what we read. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah. Doing what was good and right And faithful before the Lord his God. And everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly and so he prospered. Hezekiah was able to bring about not only renewal in his life, but renewal in his people because he did what was good, right, and faithful Before the Lord his God. Folks, if we want to bring about renewal in our lives, if we want to bring about spiritual renewal in this valley or in our country, we have to do what is good, right, and faithful before the Lord our God. Now, we're going to look at five specific things that Hezekiah did, and the first one can be found back in chapter 30. And beginning in verse 6, because what happened was Hezekiah sent out a letter to his people calling them back to God. It's kind of like the old school version of Twitter. He would tweet this today, but they didn't have Twitter. So he had to write a letter and have couriers run to the different villages to share this news. But this is what Hezekiah wrote. He said, People of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their fathers, so that he made them an object of horror, as you see. Do not be stiff necked as your fathers were, but submit to the Lord. Come to the sanctuary which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. If you return to the Lord, then your brothers and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will come back to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. So the first thing that Hezekiah did was he remembered and he reminded the people of God's compassion. He said that God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Now why is this so valuable? Why was this so important for Hezekiah to do? And why are we starting out with this? Well, because all throughout the history of the world, all throughout scripture, and I think maybe maybe even some of your lives, we see a pattern of people rebelling, and sinning, and disappointing God, and turning to things they shouldn't turn to, and doing things they shouldn't do. And then Satan comes along and tells them the greatest lie they could ever hear, and that is that God has given up on them. Their sin is it's too bad, it's horrible, it's no good, they are disqualified from God. God will never again care about them or love them. And so they might as well keep running, keep hiding, keep sinning, and don't return to God. Folks, that's a lie. That's not what happens. That's not what Hezekiah has written. That's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God wants us to come back to him. He wants to show us his great compassion. If we return to him, if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. He will not turn his face from us. Everybody, everybody in this room, everybody in this valley... And everybody in this country and in this world can experience spiritual renewal if they return to God. And here's the cool thing. You don't have to look too hard because God is there and he's waiting. All right, let's go to the second thing Hezekiah did. And again, uh, this is dealing with a lie that Satan likes to tell. He got pushback, but he kept on going. And we read this. Um, in verse 10, it simply says that these couriers that he sent out went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh and as far as Zebulon, but the people scorned and ridiculed them. So at first, when these letters went out, they didn't get a very good response. Hezekiah was getting pushback. And he could have stopped. He could have said, you know what? Wow. Man, the people don't want to return to God. I might as well just give up. But he didn't. You see, Satan wants you to give up. Because here's what happens, and I've seen this so many times. I've seen people give their lives to Jesus. I've seen them turn back to God, searching for spiritual renewal, and Satan gets ticked. And so he tries to cause as much problems and as much flack as possible, and a lot of it comes from the people and the stuff around us pushing back. I can't tell you how many times I've brought kids to a camp, They've given their lives to Christ, and then they've gone home and have been ridiculed and mocked by their parents, by their boyfriends, or their girlfriends, or their friends. Life becomes difficult. Life becomes lonely, and so they give up. Folks, if you want spiritual renewal, you can't quit. You can't give up. If you want this valley, this country to experience spiritual renewal, you're going to get pushback. People aren't going to want to hear what you've got to tell them, but you've got to keep going. Because just like we talked about last week, the only thing that matters is our relationship with Christ. But Hezekiah continues. He does the next thing. In verse 14, we read that they removed the altars in Jerusalem and cleared away the incense altars and threw them into the Kidron Valley. Folks, Hezekiah cleaned house. He wasn't going to let those false idols, those false gods, stay there any longer. He took them down and he threw them away. If you want spiritual renewal, you have to clean house. You can't keep the same stuff around you in your life that's been causing you to fall and to sin and expect your life to change. Let me give you a simple, obvious example of this. I'll call this one a layup because it's so easy. When I gave my life to Christ, um, I had a lot of music that I liked to listen to. I used to uh, DJ at the college radio station, so I had a lot of records and tape cassettes. And I was just starting on CDs. They were brand new, so I was just starting. So I'd spent a lot of money, but a lot of the stuff that I listened to wasn't so good. In fact... um, One of the groups that I liked, I actually had their cassette, and I can still see myself kind of cruising down the road with my sister just jamming, uh, was a group called Poison. Ever heard that group, Poison? Now, the name alone should have tipped me off that maybe something wasn't right. But again, I was not a Christian, so I didn't care. And then my favorite song was called, this was the title, Talk Dirty to Me. And again, should have been a clue, right? That maybe that's not the best song to be listening to, but you know, I like the guitar, I like, you know, the whole nonsense. Well, when I gave my life to Christ, I knew pretty much right away that I had to stop listening to poison and, and sinning about talking dirty to me. So I got rid of that cassette, and I got rid of many other things. And yeah, did I spend money on those things? Yeah, but is that a good reason to keep them? No, I needed to clean House. And it wasn't just the music, it was the movies, TV shows. And unfortunately, it was also sometimes friends. And I think that's the hardest thing. You see, sometimes if you want spiritual renewal, then there are certain friends that you really can't hang around anymore because they're not good influences. And you're gonna try to live your life for Christ, and they're gonna try to bring you back to who you used to be. And that's the person you don't want to be anymore. You wanna be the new creation in Christ. Sometimes you might even have to go as far as breaking up with a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and that's a difficult, difficult thing to do. There have been many times where people have done these things and life gets lonely. Life got lonely for me because I needed to find new friends. Now the good news is, of course, that God brought me right, these new friends, and God brought me new music and um, other things that I could enjoy that were good for me. But if we want us to have spiritual renewal, then we've got to clean house. Think about it for a moment. Imagine, and not only for us, but for our our community. Because think about it for just a moment. Let's say someone comes to church for the first time. They're not a Christian, right? And they're like checking this all out and they say, hey, Pastor Chris, can you give me a ride home? I say, sure. We get in my car. I crank on the radio, and poison comes on because my cassette is there, and we're jamming to talk dirty to me. What's he going to think? He's going to think, you're old. And then he's going to think, well, they're our old band. And then he's going to think, you're no different than the rest of the world. Folks, we have to be different than the rest of the world. We have to shine a light. We have to clean house and shine a light. That's what Hezekiah did. He said, you know, we're not going to worship these false gods anymore. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. Verse 18. Verse 18. Hezekiah also prayed for the people. And verse 18, what we're reading here is that because they wanted to celebrate the Passover and they didn't do it at the exact time, uh, all the people didn't go through all of the purification rituals, but their heart was in the right place. So in verse 18, actually we're going to go a little bit farther, we find Hezekiah praying for the people. Hezekiah prayed for the people. Down a little bit farther, he says, but Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, may the Lord who was good pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God. The Lord, the God of his fathers, even if he is not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary, and it says, the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Did you get that? You should underline that. And the Lord heard Hezekiah. Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah interceded for the people, and the Lord heard them, heard him, and healed the people. Folks, we need to be praying for people. We need to be praying for people in our valley and people in our country, people who don't know Jesus. We need to be interceding for them. One of the cool things that I know is that I was being prayed for even before I was born. And I know this because Joanne is a quite bit older than me. And, okay, only not even a year, right? A year and a little bit. You're more than a year older than me? We need to tell the counselor that next time we see him. Don't tase me. Um, So no, So, so Joanne's a little older than me. So when she was born, her parents started praying for her husband. Now think about this for a moment. So she's born and she's a baby and her parents start praying for her husband who is me. So before I was even born, people were praying for me, that I would be a godly man. They had no idea that I needed a lot of prayer, but they were praying, right? And good thing they had a lot of family praying. And I think that really did make a difference. That's why I'm here today, because people I didn't even know were praying for me. So you're sitting here thinking, well, okay, well, Pastor Chris, who do I pray for? And I think here's a good test. You know, I was joking a lot about that tasing, but I'm pretty sure that I was, as I was talking about people to tase, people came to your mind, right? <laughs> don't have to confess that, but I'm sure people came to your mind. Whoever came to your mind you think needs to be tased, don't tase them, pray for them right? Intercede for them. Nobody is too far gone. I don't care what they've done or where they've been. Pray for those people that they will turn back to God and experience spiritual renewal. Now, there's one more thing Hezekiah did, and um, it's actually, this one's in chapter 31, and uh, we read in verse 3, they've been um, building up this offering, and it says in verse 3 that Hezekiah, even, the king, contributed from his own possessions to this offering. In other words, Hezekiah trusted God with his stuff. And I use the word stuff because I want it to be all-inclusive. I don't know how grammatically correct it is, but what I'm talking about here is Hezekiah used his money, and God wants us to use our money and our time and our talents and our abilities to bless others. When we use those gifts, that stuff, not only do we get renewed... But God uses us to renew other people. We saw this kind of last week a little bit at our neighborhood party. Um, A lot of people showed up to that and gave their time, their talents, and their money. And many lives were touched. This fall, we're going to be doing the neighborhood. And we know that God's going to use that ministry to reach into that community. And we're going to see spiritual renewal. And here's the cool thing. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do, right? We get to use our time. We get to use our talents. We get to use our money and say, God, here, here you go. We trust you. Use this however you want to to bring about spiritual renewal. And then back in verse 20, we'll read the verse we started with. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God and so He prospered. I don't know where you are today, but let me start by saying if you're here today and you need spiritual renewal, God has made you aware of parts of your life that need to be renewed. Maybe um, you've been afraid, you've been hiding from God, you've been running Uh, Maybe you've been afraid to give some things up, but God's saying, you know what, you really need to clean house in this area. Maybe you've been getting pushback. People have been giving you grief, and God is saying, no, you need to keep going. Maybe you need to trust God with your stuff. Maybe your stuff has become your God, and you need to say, you know, God, I want you to be in charge. If you're anywhere in that area, you need to know that God will be compassionate to you. He will love you. He will forgive you. He will not turn his face from you. He will welcome you back and guide you into becoming a new creation. Now, if you're here today and you've already done that, you're saying, "Petrus, I've got it down. This has been great." But I know some family members, I know some neighbors, that needs spiritual renewal. I know that this valley needs spiritual renewal. And I know that this country needs spiritual renewal. What I want to encourage you to do is go to the next steps that's on your card inside your bulletin and ask God to show you one thing that you can do. One thing that he wants you to do. Maybe he wants you to remind somebody of his compassion. Maybe he wants you to pray for somebody i don't know what he wants you to do but what does god want you to do so that you get to be a part of renewal write that down and then do what god has called you to do